It's Friday and we're so close to All Out. And today we are previewing the pay-per-view with from Post Wrestling, John Pollock. John, I am so excited and honored to have you on here with me. Thank you so much. How are you? I am doing fantastic, Stephanie. Thank you for the invite. I'm uh, I'm honored to be here and chat about the uh, the pay-per-view that's coming up this weekend. Well, you're joining us from Canada, John. What is it yes. like over there? Um, obviously, like myself, you are not able to attend All Out in person. So are you feeling like I'm feeling where I just feel a little bit left out of all the fun that Americans are having? I mean, I think it's a it's a super cool week slash weekend to be in and around Chicago, uh, not just with AEW, with yes. all the other shows that are going on. And I found like th those kinds of weekends, it's really cool when you get to meet up with listeners and just th that whole scene. It's it's a lot of fun to be part of that. In terms of actually covering the show, it, it's sometimes very daunting when I'm actually there and having to do all the other yeah. uh, duties and stuff. I kind of like being at home for those, but there's certainly a huge element that um, there's that, you know, uh, be, being away from it, isolated away from it, especially after all this time that I think a lot of people are just itching to get back to shows and be around a weekend like this. Yeah, I think with, I think SummerSlam was the first pay-per-view where I, it felt like a normal, like, pay-per-view season. And I think mm -hmm. this is probably the second one, especially with AEW doing so much around it. Like, they have fan events and stuff like that today, which, like, look really fun. And obviously, they're doing Dynamite and Rampage. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're back to, like, proper pay-per-views and, and stuff like that. And fingers crossed for the the international travel <laughs> yes we'll, we'll keep those fingers crossed those masks on and and hope for the best yes absolutely well with aw only doing four pay-per-views a year i feel like they come around extremely quickly um each time like i can remember this year like being in the the moment of each pay-per-view like revolution and now it's into all out and it's just like i don't know they just come so fast even though there's like so few of them and i enjoy that there's so few of them you know but for you like what's your excitement level for this pay-per-view compared to the previous ones we've seen from aw so far this year I mean, I think like AEW, they've established like a pretty high bar for kind of, you know, bell to bell quality that you're going to get on these shows. Mm -hmm. I, th I think to your point, the fact that there are four a year, that specialness is still attached to them. It's never just the, oh, we've got another AEW pay-per-view coming up. And I think that's that's strategic. You could argue they could probably get one or two more shows each year and still maintain that. But for this show, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you have to be looking at it that this really does feel like if if the last two plus years where AEW 1.0, this does kind of feel like we're progressing to AEW 2.0 and what is to come. And this is, I think the first dance with the, the kickoff to that and this pay-per-view represents what is that next level AEW is at. I think a lot are looking at this to be the most successful AEW pay-per-view and it's a, it's a big lineup. So I would say anticipation is pretty high for this show, not just mm -hmm. what happens on Sunday, but what they set up for, for the future and all these big shows that they have in September in Newark, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Like there's a lot of big yeah. stuff on the horizon. So I think you certainly have that, that excitement level among the fan base. 
I like that that you said that we're entering AEW 2.0. I, I know what you mean. Like, it does feel like that with the arrival of CM Punk. And we'll talk about later maybe some other arrivals that, that they're doing. But with Punk coming, um, it does almost feel like they've entered a different phase because we had everything that came before him. We had it being legitimized as a company with Jericho and we had the Moxley jump and we've had some great surprises from there even Sting getting involved but now with Punk it's like it's like a different phase it's like he's come and it didn't need to be legitimized but maybe in some way like he he's kind of come to tell a certain portion of the wrestling fans that they made the right decision if you know what I mean by going with AEW if if he the the, the guy that kind of rallied against a lot of WWE has now decided to join the ship, I think. Yeah, I think it's just come with like such a, a wave of momentum with it mm-hmm. that, I mean, just the novelty of CM Punk being back with a national wrestling company was going to bring, but, you know, I, I'd liken this, it's a weird analogy, but where, when the Attitude Era really kicked off for the WWF was bringing in Mike Tyson and it put a lot of eyes on mm-hmm. the product But what kept those eyes there was all the supporting players. Yes, you had Steve Austin, but you had DX rising up, The Rock rising up, and you had a compelling product that once Tyson was gone, that audience stayed there. And I think with Punk, it's like, this is a guy that's not disappearing after this pay-per-view. He's sticking around. But if you are a lapsed fan that's coming back for Punk, you're exposed to a product that I think is going to kind of lend itself to maybe your tastes that you were accustomed mm-hmm. to in pro wrestling that AEW is trying to gear themselves towards. Yeah, that's what I, I'm thinking. Like, I, I think his impact has been really good so far, but it's too early to tell. But I think that maybe there's like partly the kind of people that would like punk are already watching. I think there's some people more on the outside that like need to catch on. And it'll be interesting to see if they if things get even bigger once they bring in Brian, just because he's more of a recent name and he's more like in people's consciousness that sure. if that makes an, an even bigger jump in, in the ratings and everything. Um, in the chat, we have Matthew asking, John, have you ever been to an AEW show before? Good question, Matthew. Um, Technically, no. I did go to All In. Yeah. So uh-huh. I went to All In, which I guess is not... AEW proper, but I guess kind of the the precursor to what it was. But no, uh, AEW has not been up to Canada, obviously, and I have not been allowed. Well, there are restrictions for a Canadian to go down to the U.S. uh, as we currently stand. But um, no, have not gone to an AEW event yet. That's awesome that you were at All In. I did a review of All In the other day with SB3 from True Heel Heat, and he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was super jealous of him. Um, I guess when you were at All In, I, you probably could have predicted the future of where we would be now pretty much exactly three years later here with Tony Khan just coming out of nowhere and, and creating all this. Yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly an event that I, I was really glad that I got to be in the building for that. It, it, you certainly mm-hmm. left that night feeling like this was something really palpable, that this was not just going to be some kind of one-off. Of course, the demand was through the roof for the event and kind of curious to see what kind of an event could they pull off. And I think it was a rousing success. And then you fast forward. I mean, that was the question for everyone. Not only could this be sustainable as a full-time operation, but 
would there be an appetite for it from the television industry? And we've obviously gotten that answer. There were so many questions coming out of it, but I think that event was kind of your proof that there, there is something here that you have all the foundational parts. Who's going to be that person to kind of pull all these other elements together? And that answer was Tony mm -hmm. Khan. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because I was when I was preparing to like go back and review all in, I was reading like a lot of what was going on at the time and like stuff that was being reported in, in the Observer and other places, and it it just seemed like definitely everyone thought like these guys could do something and then when you had the the cruise that jericho did after it like these guys can do something like they've got something here they shouldn't go to wwe but there were like names being floated about such as billy corgan because of the nwa but what it really needed was was tony Khan, and he, he just came out of nowhere like just came out of the shadows to just deliver this and and just be the guy behind it and it's it's very cool i think now knowing what happened to go back and read all that stuff and and look at that it, but it's, with it's all a, out, with, sorry. I was going to say it's a, it was an amazing story when when you go back to it. I mean, it again, as you said, it was only three years ago, but I think that was um, such a pivotal time in the industry, and I think we're in another one as we speak three years later. Yeah. I mean, for anyone that's interested, if you go back to, I think it's November 2018, uh, Observer, there's a, there's a great paragraph where, like, it's talked about uh, trademark filings and stuff like that. And, like, all the, like, people that could be doing it are listed. And then a couple <laughs> of paragraphs down, it's just something like, Shad Khan is the owner of the Jaguars. And then further down, his son, Tony. <laughs> and it's like, this is where he emerges as a player in the story. And it's so, so cool. <laughs> it's a, but, you know, an amazing Tony origin Khan, story of uh, Tony Khan. It is. It is. It's like it's it's like a nice wrestling version of of Iron Man or something like this. This um, billionaire like ri rising up to do good in the world. <laughs> That's a that is a comparison I did not think of the the Iron Man of, of professional wrestling, Robert Downey Khan. Yes. Robert Downey Khan. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure he'd love that too. <laughs> but this will be the first pay per view that they've done since Rampage started. And Rampage is so new. But how do you think they've done with? with that as far as like balancing what we get between Rampage and Dynamite? And do you think that it's been better for the company having that extra hour of TV a week? Yeah. I mean, that to me is like, we're, we're only as we're recording this three episodes in uh, with episode four yeah. tonight. I, I think that like three hours, especially with this product now, they've got such a, a, such a giant roster and i think that it can expose a lot more talent that they've thus far three weeks in i think you have to look at it as a success just from the numbers even throwing out the first dance that is going to be uh, an aberration over what they were able to do i think in some ways last week was incredibly impressive because that was our first indication of a taped episode airing on 48 hours after you no know, results are out and and it wasn't the lineup that the first two were but it still generated i mean like their 18 to 49 number was up from the week one so i think you take that as a real positive sign that this is a product that there is an appetite for a third hour the question is going to become that with this show you know if it's performing at this level at what point is it visited of expanding it to two hours? Because I feel that conversation will will come up at some point. And like, that's the industry as, as it is. How much content can you produce that you're going to get paid for this content and not burn out your audience? So I think that's always a balancing act you have to be mindful of. And I, I get the sense like AEW is aware of that and not just expanding just because of the short-term value versus potential long-term erosion so so far i think like rampage has 
I, I think lived up to expectations and I like the 60 minute format. I think it's a fun, fast hour. And when you have a show that it ends and you're kind of craving more instead of hitting a burnout, I think that's a good thing to have at the end of a show. Oh yeah, that that is what wrestling has been missing for a, a long time. Like wanting more since we've been in like three hour was, and I, I don't think that Tony Tony Khan will will be like you, you know Nick Khan saying last week that he'd be fine with four or five hours of war. And we're all like, no, please no. But I think Tony's wise enough to know uh, that one of the problems with WWE in recent years has been that it's completely burnt out their fan base. So if Rampage went to two hours, uh, I wouldn't mind. It's how much more we get on top of that. And I think it's pretty good what they do with Dark and Elevation, keeping them as like a separate YouTube thing. You don't really have to watch it, but it still gives like their their guys like a showcase in some matches. I think that's good too. Uh, Tanol says that uh, Wei Ting would be disappointed in you, John, for not comparing Tony Khan to a Marvel man. <laughs> Wei, is, Wei is the Marvel expert. I am I am merely the passenger in those uh, in those discussions. So that that credit all goes to Stephanie for making it for putting those two figures together. <laughs> well, let's get into the card. Uh, before we do, though, I have to say, like. The organization of this uh, card, as far as how it's going to go down in the night, I think is going to be super, super interesting. And uh, yesterday, um, well, I got to ask Tony a question uh, on his conference call that he did. And and that was my question about, like, how do you organize this card? You've got a world title match. You've got a tag team title match in a cage. You've got a women's title match. You have a legend putting his career on the line. It just feels like, how do you organize this card properly without uh like in any way shading anyone with their position if you know what i mean like it's yeah. just super 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 hard so the way i've laid it out is basically the order that i would probably do it or how i'm guessing that it will happen so that's what i've gone for but it's going to be interesting to see especially when we get to that main event like who what match goes on where and, and how you keep the crowd going with because it's it's stacked as well with the number of matches yeah, I mean, that's the thing with like, the, um, there's several candidates. I mean, the, the obvious is finished with Punk, but I mean, various circumstances I think we'll talk about could make an argument mm -hmm. for other potential candidates to to close the show. And yeah, I think like you're going to have a rabid crowd. So that's a great uh, thing to have in your back pocket that I think is going to be pretty hot for the show. But there's a lot of big matches in there uh, that it's it, it will be very interesting to see just the, the pacing of the show and yeah, mm -hmm. match match placement is very important. Yeah, definitely. Well, we do know what will be on the pre-show. We're getting a 10-man tag. Best Friends, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta, and Jurassic Express, uh, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus versus Hardy Family Office, Matt Hardy, Private Party, and The Hybrid 2. Uh, not one that uh, is, I'm particularly looking forward to, given it's just the pre-show match, um, or one I'm quite interested in the winner. But, I mean, all I can say when I look at this lineup, I really... I love Jungle Boy and I think they're doing a great job with him, but I just don't know why Matt Hardy has to be in every couple of hours of, of TV I see. I think it's amazing how much he gets in the card and I'm just not a fan of the Hardy family office. How, how do you feel about the Hardy family office, John? I think it's a group that if you were asking somebody, like, give me your your one page description of the Hardy family office. No one would be, it's just, it's trying to do everything. I don't think like it has like a central focus. You don't know what this group's like intentions are, what the align, like, why are they all aligned? It's like Matt Hardy spends money. It's yeah, it's it's not to me a very cohesive group uh, and does get a fair amount of focus. I think for this, 
you're just looking at a, a fun multi-man tag. You get Cassidy out there in the opener. You get Jungle Boy out there. Um, it, Jack Evans and Angelico, who are two guys that are you know don't get a whole lot of spotlight. I think you can have a lot of fun in this match, and that's kind of what it's what it's there to be for your 10, 11 minutes uh, for the for the pre-show that should have a red hot crowd. But yeah, to your point, I, I think the Hardy family office it just seems to not have much direction other than it's it's the group where we just throw extra names to, and I think that you want some more depth to a group than just this collection of various tag teams under Matt Hardy's leadership. Yeah. So, so many people, so many people following Matt Hardy. Uh, I'm going to pick for my winner. I'm going to pick the fiercest, best friends, Jurassic Express, get the show off to a nice start. What do you think, John? Agree or, agree or disagree? I'll go, I'll go agree on this one. I think this is a very easy yeah. one for the baby faces to go over. And again, it should be a really solid crowd. And I think having uh, Jungle Boy out there, I think it, it's going to be very interesting as well the fact that we have such a large crowd and that like this past week we had Anna Jay make her return and that crowd they mm -hmm. took to her like a megastar who hasn't been on yeah. TV since January and I think you know we're we're getting like very healthy crowds at these AEW shows but this is like a traveling audience it's around 10,000 people and I think we're going to see a lot of acts and see how they are received by the audience and I think it's it's going to be eye-opening for for some acts that we see on the show. I'm going with the baby yeah. faces. That's my my long answer to a short question. <laughs> well, Jungle Boy was extremely well received um, at, at their last pay-per-view that they were still doing in Daily's Place, but with a larger crowd. But yeah, play Jungle Boy's music twice and play it to lead into the pay-per-view. Um, I agree. Oh, we're going to uh, get so the Pixies of... and Jungle Boys. Uh, like we're going to get uh, multiple oh, yeah. uh, themes here, unless they just shorten it down to one. I think you got to play both, right? Yeah, or get, get a mashup going. Mashing Ooh. up uh, Baltimore with Where's My Mind? <laughs> I don't know if the Pixies ever env envisioned that remix, but hey, I'm, I'm all for mashups. Let's go for it. Yeah, Where Is My Tarzan? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> on to the main show. We've got the Women's Casino Battle Royal. This is 21 women. They've managed to fill the spots here. Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, Ty Conte, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakurai, Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Kylan King, Rebel, Jamie Hitter, Anna Jay, Rio, and To Be Confirmed. Wow. Um, it's crazy to think that when I heard them announce this, I thought there's not 21 women and they've actually filled it. So good, good for them indeed. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the whole women's division on, on showcase here. Yes. Yeah. And I think the women's division is really what they seem to get the most criticism um, kind of for the booking of. Uh, what do you think? Has it improved since the last time we saw women in a battle royal or just even over the last year? Have you seen like they've really made an effort? I, I think that it, it's still a work in progress as a whole. I think you have s some real highlights led by Britt Baker and the character mm -hmm. that she has grown into. And I think it was a, a big statement on that first rampage going with Britt Baker and Red Velvet in that in that first big uh, spot on in Pittsburgh. So I think like the certainly the 
the effort is increasing. And this is a great showcase of kind of a lot of the women, like a big swole that we haven't seen for, for a long time on, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, in a major spotlight in AEW. And I think that's going to be the key here is, you know, who are the ones to kind of keep our eyes on that you can tell several stories within these battle royales beyond just who's the winner and gets that title shot. It's setting up some programs that you can take the rampage and take to dynamite. So in, the, mm -hmm. in that case, I think it's also, again, this is maybe the best example of kind of a litmus test of, you know, which, which women get the strongest response from these people and who is kind of making that, that connection. And then you're, you're built around the, the, sh the match ending surprise as well. The, so the mystery entrant, it really seems that there's only one name that everyone's talking about. Matthew's saying Ruby, but everyone is saying that it's going to be Ruby Soho. Uh, do you agree with that? And what do you think her kind of chances are in AEW's women division? And would she be help elevated even more? I think I, I've been blown away by like her, the, the video packages that she's been releasing. I think they look really great and top notch. It's, yeah. it's a real signal. Like that is such a huge component now. If you are a talent out there, like having that kind of, video production element in your back pocket it's it's such a huge assist and i think um it's kind of everyone's expecting it and i think we have a whole generation of people that say oh it's too obvious They're, they they got to swerve us yeah. and out comes you know someone else just just so we can fool the fans i think this is a company that largely wants those teases out there and if you're telling me that that last entrant you hear rancid playing and out comes lars with ruby soho place is going to go off the chain for Ruby Soho. And I, I would a hundred percent go with that as your surprise. It's, it's a big introduction for her and she, and she can win it. Like no reason to beat her on her, her first night. So I think it's, it's a rather simple way to, to book this. And I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't try to be outsmarting my fans. Instead it's tease. Mm -hmm. Let's deliver it in a, in an even bigger way. And it's a, it's a big moment to start the show. I really hope that Tony forks out for the music for Ruby. I think that will be so so cool. He's been he's been pretty generous when it comes to to who he's giving music to, but I think when you're actually named after a song, and especially with it being Rancid and and Lars is such a big wrestling fan and stuff, you got to give her the actual song and I think people will react to that like super super huge. Yeah, I just think the place will go nuts for the for the song, her coming out. Um, yeah, it just seems like Taylor made like what a perfect uh, venue and show to do it on and just feels like a superstar coming out there immediately, which is always kind of what you want to project uh, on night one for her. Mm -hmm. As far as the winner goes, there's a lot of people to choose from. I'm going to say that I'm choosing... Thunder Rosa, just because of Brit being this heel that everyone uh, cheers for so much. I'm thinking, like, who is the strongest um, baby face you can put against her? And I think it probably is Thunder Rosa. And obviously, they've done that before, but just continue their feud. I mean, maybe you'd hold off on it, but I, I think I'd go back to Thunder Rosa. I think the most interesting elimination will be 
Jade Cargill, um, how she ends up being eliminated, because I don't think she's ready yet to to be the winner. But I'm wondering if they're going to do something, and I'm not sure how they do it, where her and Nyla Rose basically eliminate themselves together during some kind of ball because of what we saw between her and Nyla um, backstage um, last week. But yeah, I think Jade's the most interesting. How will she get eliminated? And I think Thunder Rose is my winner. What say you, John? Well, I would say if if Ruby is coming in, I th- I think she should just win, and I would do mm-hmm. that that match in the next couple of weeks, uh, whether it be a, a dynamite main event or even a rampage main event. I think it's very important to kind of establish now when Britt Baker defends that title, it's it's a main event, and just mm-hmm. it, it puts them on that that level, and that's the perception you you present to your audience. So, uh, I'm with you. Like, I'm I'm really intrigued to see a lot of the the names in here and. Kind of how like these casino battle royales they, they've been hit and miss to me like we've seen some that have yes. come across better than others mm-hmm. and others that i think it's just they're trying to do way too much and it just is a, a very difficult concept to sometimes digest so mm-hmm. you you've got a lot of great talent here i think kara hogan uh being in that's that's a strong addition as well to to this lineup but i'm gonna go with uh ruby soho to win this entire thing but you're right jay cargill is i'm sure she, her and nyla rose are sort of going to be your monsters in this that yeah. it's certainly been teased that I could see them both taking out one another and that being a direction following this. Yeah. Matthew says Brit versus Ruby at Arthur Ashe. I think that would be a, a very cool match to have at Arthur Ashe as well, especially if you have the song. There's a lot riding on, on this song. Like this song is going to make or break her career, whether or not Tony's forked out. Yeah, the uh, the musical rights uh, department. I I would love to know what what is earmarked for for that particular uh, revenue source for AEW because they are shelling it out. I think I, as we've said, I think with Ruby, you you have to have like what how how can you come out with like not rancid to this name? I think yeah. it's you have to. Yeah, I I think maybe Lars would give him a deal as well. Uh, I think I think he would do that for Tony. Uh, I put next John Moxley and Kojima. Um, we had we had Moxley, you know, teasing that he was going to fight someone from New Japan here. He sent like a, an open contract out and it ended up being Kojima that some people think is a bit of a letdown. I'll be honest. I think it's a bit of a letdown um, just because we had kind of dreams of Tanahashi. And then I, I felt like, well, if you can't get Tanahashi, Suzuki, who is coming to the States, but not not for this or an Ishii. Um, Kojima, I don't know. He just doesn't have the like the the main the mainstream like wrestling name value that even a Suzuki has. Uh, he's a bit more like you have to be a bit like deeper into New Japan, I think, to to really like recognize him. But were you disappointed by this? And do you think he can do, how how will the crowd react to him? I think the crowd's going to be into him. I think this is going to be a crowd that is is going to be there to kind of um, lift everything up. Uh, and I think they will kind of treat Kojima as this legend. And I, I'm not too concerned about the match delivering. I think they'll have a fun 10, 12 minutes. And Kojima does have that kind of, he does have the aura of, you know, a former IWGP Triple Crown champion. But I, I totally see people's uh, complaints here because... I think if the end goal was Tanahashi, 
I think it was a mistake to throw out his name at the immediate because you're teasing yes. something bigger before you could deliver what's coming to the pay-per-view. And I think you just trained that the pay-per-view, you're getting the, the big prize. And instead, that seems to be something that's going to come well down the line. And instead, it could have just been, I'm sending an open contract and I'm going after New Japan to shut this door. And Kojima's the first in a long line. And then mm -hmm. when they're ready to deliver Tanahashi, it's a huge reaction. Instead, you threw the name out. And I think naturally, and after resurgence, everyone was expecting that uh, as step number one. So it's it's a fine place for, for Moxley on the show. It's not a big match. It's not a featured match. I don't think it's one we'll be talking about at the end of Sunday night. But as for, for the time that they have, I, I, I'm sure that they're going to have a fine 10, 12 minutes, uh, however long this one goes. What do you think of the use of Moxley in recent months? Like, obviously, he, he doesn't have the title anymore, but is he entering the what some have called the Codyverse territory where he just feels like someone that's maybe a little bit detached from, from the rest of the show? Like, he's over here calling out New Japan guys. And, it, like, how have you felt that he's fit in since he's, like, not only lost the AEW Championship, but then um, also the United States one for New Japan? I really like the way they transitioned from him losing the title and then the whole uh, kind of alliance with Eddie Kingston. And that's it's a strong argument in favor of a thriving tag division that it's not perceived as a step down, but you're going for the world championships in the tag division. So I thought that they got like a nice run out of that. The issue that they're going to have as we're talking about all these additions to the company is that you have a lot of top names and it's inevitable that you're going to have to cycle guys in and out of top spots. And it feels like Moxley is mm -hmm. kind of on, on, on the back step for, for the moment. It's also a company that is quickly loading up on big baby faces. So they, they do need some big heels. Like you have Kenny Omega, you have MJF, but I certainly think that there's a spot or two open for a potential turn. And I would put Moxley pretty high on that, on that list that you can give a real compelling story. And he indicated this in, the, in like the promo of this potential direction mm -hmm. of, I was the guy that jumped on board, not knowing where this train was going and others that were reluctant to come here. So I think that's always strong for a heel to have like a, a really believable explanation for a change in, in actions. And I think that Moxley could easily transition to that role that creates a lot of new matches with some of the people coming in. And I mean, it's just, they're very, very strong on, on, on top baby faces at, at the moment with, with Jericho now in that role with Punk, mm -hmm. with Danielson, the, the list goes on. So I could see that being a turn for Moxley down the road. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see Moxley as someone that turns heel, someone that would love to turn heel. Uh, I hope when he does it, though, he does it by doing something really mean to Eddie Kingston, because that would just really upset me and then get me just very invested in in hating him. Um, who have you got for your winner, John, on this one? Moxley. I think I think that that's the, the natural way to go here. Moxley gets a big win, and then we continue. Maybe he calls out Tenzon at the end of this. We're going to go slow. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, we're gonna go slow though really hoping that he calls out suzuki um since it's it seems to be one that just has to happen uh next speaking of things that have to happen i'm not sure that this one does it's paul white versus qt marshall <laughs> um so qt this started off because qt threw some shake on Tony Schiavone. And then it turns out Tony Schiavone has a son that wants to be a wrestler. And he did that 
beating up beating up the sun thing in front of their dad, which is my, one of my least favorite wrestling tropes. And then Paul White, of all people, sauntered down to ringside to assist. And now we have a feud between QT and Paul White, which we then got extra twist. Billy Gunn turned heel of all, <laughs> of all the people. Billy Gunn turned heel. John, were you upset by Billy Gunn turning heel since he's taken such a, a backward role in AEW? He stepped into the limelight there on Wednesday night. Well, much like we were just discussing, I mean, here they are. They are giving us Paul White and QT Marshall, but yet they have teased the bigger showdown of Paul White and Billy Gunn that we have to wait for. I mean, my 1999 self is uh, salivating at this, this showdown in 2021. Uh, th this is probably the most polarizing match on this card. I will say that it's uh, my argument is that it's a pretty loaded card that I don't have the biggest problem of a five minute buffer that's in there. But I, what I'm not looking forward to is a Paul White gun club program coming out of this. I think Paul White should wrestle one to two times a year. It should be a big yeah. deal when he comes. And I, I don't think this one really reached that. Like the idea of Paul White standing up for his broadcast colleague, Tony Schiavone, because his son has been physically harmed by QT Marshall. I think that part of the story has been so forgotten and if it wasn't, yeah. they just did a better version of it with Malachi Black and Brock Anderson. So it's not even the most sympathetic son in AEW feuds that are going on right now. I think this is going to be short. The expectations are so low that I imagine Paul White is coming into this one very motivated after it's his first match in AEW. He has not wrestled in a year and a half, but I think everyone has a very limited expectation. And this one should be short. Knockout punch. He wins. I'm not expecting anything crazy. Uh, but then we've got this this gun story, which wasn't even the focus on the Suns. It was very clear we've got to get a match with Paul White and Billy Gunn on a television show to be determined. So I, I don't know who's holding their breath for that one. Of all the XWWE guy versus XWWE guy matches we could have, uh, Tony Khan must have been so affected by the Big Show and Billy Gunn tag team that this is clearly his dream booking here. Uh, it was very strange to see the Gun Club turn heel. It seemed very unnecessary um, as well. Like, you know, trying to stack the deck against the Big Show when QT's already got his whole uh, factory that added some quite uh, nameless people as well it seemed on the last dynamite but i had thought about this match what if maybe it was because paul white can is known for his knockout punch if it was a setup for the return of anthony agogo um i'm not sure though given that we've had this twist of of billy gunn like how many more people can be against paul white but what do you think do you predict a, a return for agogo here it would uh you could certainly go that direction. I think it's it's more interesting for for Paul White than with, with Billy Gunn. Um, sure, you could you could certainly bring him here. I would just say it almost feels like I would save that for TV. I just think that would be so forgotten mm -hmm. by the end of this show. It would just kind of be a, a trivial return. But I'm definitely not against that idea. And if you are building to that, Paul White knocking out QT and just stomping through him. I mean that at least progresses that further um i guess the question is just where where the guns fit in in this whole thing it just we will we will see how that one plays out i guess i tell you what match i'm waiting for i'm waiting for the aw sons battle royal where it's tony's oh. kid brock anderson 
the gun club kids, and then Hook winning the whole entire thing. Because all these sons coming in, like Hook has just been there doing his thing. And this has to be to set up some great like victory where Hook proves himself as the best wrestler's son of all time. That would be, uh, yes, the Suns Battle Royal would be, maybe maybe we can start the build towards a, uh, a casino battle royale of Suns by this time next year. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, next, we've got Miro and Eddie Kingston for um, Miro's uh, TNT Championship. This, These two, um, I think this is going to be a really, really great match. My only, I think, criticism going into this is that the there hasn't been much build. We got two fantastic promos on Dynamite, but putting these two together, given the kind of promos that they do, um, what excited me the most was hearing them promo battle, and we really haven't seen that. But I'm excited for this one. Miro is someone that they've done an incredible job with since he's become TNT champion. And I think that Eddie Kingston's a really great opponent with him. And Eddie Kingston's a guy that can easily take a loss because he's Eddie Kingston and he's he's always sympathetic. But what do you think as, of Kingston as a contender for Miro? Because we, we most recently seen him, saw him absolutely destroy Fuego de Sol. And this is someone completely different to Per Fuego. Yeah, I'm really interested how they handle this one because I just see, like, of all the people on this roster that you figure could be such a big deal on that Arthur Ashe Stadium show, I don't know if anyone's higher than Eddie Kingston. Like, I really hope he's in a prominent spot on that show. And my initial thought was doing this match, and they and they might get there. This could, as you mentioned, they have only scratched the surface between these two, and there's multiple ways you you can get around this, whether it be. Uh, Eddie Kingston getting screwed in some fashion or even putting the title on him and you do the, the immediate rematch, but I like him chasing for the title at Arthur Ashe stadium. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is just the start of this program. Cause that could be an unbelievable scene of him coming home to Queens with that crowd and going for, for Miro's title. So um, yeah, this one, I'm also interested to see where it gets placed. I could see it going on. I mean, this is your match placement, like early in the show, where I, I think Kingston is going to be a, a super babyface to this crowd, and this match is going to benefit greatly from that. And they added like a nice little story to it this week on Dynamite with Miro having the the weak neck, and you just have a story of what Kingston is going to be going after in this match. So, uh, yeah, it's it's only scratched the surface. I think this feud continues after Sunday, and I hope it's something big for three weeks from now because it just seems tailor made for it. Yeah, I initially really wanted this to happen at Arthur Ashe because I do want Eddie to get a big spot there. So if you, if the feud was to continue, do you think maybe we get some kind of, not necessarily screwy finish, but something happens uh, to lead to rematch on Sunday? And could that something be the appearance of Miro's wife, Lana, that he has constantly been referencing since he's become champion and doing all these promos? Yeah, you could, like, I definitely thought of that potential option of Lana getting involved mm -hmm. in in some way you have to do it in a way that is not going to leave the audience uh, groaning like I don't know what you can necessarily do physically with, with Lana with Eddie Kingston but I mean there's there's ways you could certainly do it and and get a lot of could heat as well shoe? could she throw she, a shoe she could throw a shoe uh mace is always an option I mean there's uh <laughs> whether it be the substance or the wrapper 
Um, so there, there are different ways that they can uh, get around this. Maybe she is, maybe she is dressed as a crazy fan in the front row, and we get the whole makeup, uh, a la Eric Bischoff when they did the Billy and Chuck wedding. Many, many ways that they can get around this and introduce Lana at this pay per view and cost Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I think she has to be coming in. Like the 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 teases for her are are too strong, and they're they're really putting it out here that we don't we don't tease without delivering. Uh, so who who have you got picked for your winner? I'm gonna be safe and say Miro. Yeah, I I prefer the dynamic of Miro somehow keeping the title, and it, like I like the idea of Eddie Kingston chasing um, for, for for the rematch. And if they do that, I think it's as golden an opportunity to put the belt on Kingston three weeks from now on the 22nd. So I will, I will choose Miro to uh, keep the title on Sunday. Nice. Next, the women's championship match, Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Britt Baker is absolutely one of the most over people in this company, if not the most over before the, the arrival of CM Punk, who then even put her over when he arrived. But it's incredible, the reaction to her. She is still a heel. She's added to her team with Jamie Hitter, going up against Chris Statlander, who I think is a great baby face. Um, I think that she's extremely likable. She's got a unique gimmick. She's friends with the best friends, which makes her even more popular. But I still don't feel she's a strong enough baby face to just combat as how much the crowd are going to love Britt Baker. And I think this Chicago crowd are going to be so, so loud for her as well. And I guess this is the problem of having your heel champion as the as the hottest uh, commodity like in, in the product. It's just it's so hard to know who to put up against her. And I think. I'm not as hyped for this match as um, maybe some other people are. And I think that might be to do with just Brit is so dominant that I don't really see it going any other way. It's tough. Like this, again, um, we will see if anything is done on Rampage. But to me, this program, it desperately needed a promo from Chris Statlander, a reason to be rooting for her. And she's got this incredible comeback story where she was injured and came back. Just a promo that really conveys that because I agree with you. I think like this audience, like with Britt Baker, it's not the worst thing in the world when you have a champion that can be cheered. She can be booed in different situations. Sometimes, like we're going to talk about with the punk match, that could create an amazing dynamic when the audience is split some are with one, some are with the other. I don't feel that's going to be the case here. I think this is going to be a very pro-Baker crowd, and I think that's tough for Statlander, who's just going to feel like the babyface that was in the rotation for this championship match, and they're going to have to be working from that, that handicap at the start of this match. If they can have a great match together, great, but I just don't think that this one has been built up with any kind of um, substantive story that, for instance, a Thunder Rosa would have presented that you have more of a backstory with. So uh, I I just think like they're, they, they haven't done enough to really build up Chris Statlander where she's a viable threat and where the audience has a reason to root against Baker either. Yeah, I mean, as we were saying earlier, they have really improved with the women's division and they've done a pretty good job. But then at the same time, I wonder, is it with Britt being one of the most popular wrestlers on the show, like male or female, has that kind of made them not put the the same amount of effort into the other women where it does seem that everything revolves around her a lot rather than having different storylines going on. I think the only other person that gets as much screen time, the only other woman is Jade Cargill. 
um, who's not really there, you know, experience level yet. But it's it's difficult booking with Brit because she's just so incredibly popular, and they seem to be stuck on making her a heel just by the fact that they've given her Jamie Hater um, in recent weeks. But yeah, I think Brit's going to win. You agree? Yeah, I don't think that this would be a title change worth executing now for the surprise factor, which it certainly would be. I think you stay with Baker. You've got, you know, many, many potential options coming out of this battle royal. And I, I think you want to keep that that title with her. Like it just it does feel like a bit of a transition match for to have yeah. Brit's presence on on the pay-per-view. But I think the match, like it's a very big match for Statlander to go out there and have a solid performance and kind of get, get herself over in kind of a, a single spotlight, which she hasn't had too many of on the program. Yeah, and she's really, really in, improved since coming back. But, you know, maybe if if uh, Britt needs a strong baby face, next next person, you know, should be your pick for the, for the bat casino battle wall, Ruby Soho. And the music alone should put her over high there um, going up against Britt. But next we have... A tag team match, um, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, and this is in a steel cage. And it's an interesting one because it's not in a steel cage because it's a really intense blood feud, but it's in a steel cage because the Young Bucks are a bunch of cheaters with Brandon Cutler and the Cole Spray and the Good Brothers. So it's kind of a, like, it's, I guess it's the traditional reason to use the steel cage. It, it is just to keep other people out. But do you think that this, the Lucha Bros coming into this, like they just won a tournament, like that's it. They they didn't have any real beef with the Young Bucks. Do you think that's kind of um, enough of a build here? And is this going to be carried just by the anticipation of how good it will probably be based on the last time these two met in pay-per-view? Well, first of all, I think they should have demanded plexiglass because I'm, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but aerosol spray cans, they yep. can travel through fence. So I, I think uh, a poor decision on behalf of the Lucha Brothers and their representation to not get that loophole because Brandon Cutler could be a big threat here. Um, it, mm -hmm. it, it's not like this is the culmination of a long and winding uh, feud. You know, it's been two years since they did the last match. That said, I don't think anyone is complaining that they're going to this rematch now and they're essentially promising you without outright stating it, there will be no run-ins, there will be no like BS in this match. And I think like the bar is exceptionally high for for this match uh, to deliver, and I think many people expecting that they will they will meet and surpass those expectations. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea that it's in, a, it's in a cage. I think that this is one that in a on a different card. I think that if you were to be taking the titles off of the Bucks, I think you could make an argument like that. That should be a gigantic deal, and that could close the show. Like there's. There's no question that this match can follow anything else on this card, but it's it's also a very uh, deep card at, at the same time. So I think just, you know, not that we needed the preview of it, but just what you saw on Wednesday, putting Phoenix and Nick Jackson together, along with Matt mm -hmm. and Penta, like this is, I think this is going to be a, a stellar, stellar match. And, and also really establishing like the cage match. It's not been an overdone stipulation match in, in AEW. And this is going to be probably one of the most prominent that we've seen in, in some time from any promotion. Do you think that was a um, 
good what they did at the end of Dynamite, like having the Lucha Bros take the pinfall. And then they they all just got beaten up so, so badly that it's hard to know with your wrestling viewer brain, like what we're meant to think here. Are we meant to think they're getting the win? Or are we meant to think it's like reverse psychology and they're not getting the win? And then if they're not, they look pretty bad because of what happened to them. It was a very interesting way, I thought, to close Dynamite, though it did nicely showcase their cage. It obviously takes a while to climb up their cage, but you are definitely right that plexiglass should be installed because of that cold spray. Yeah, I think all the questions you just asked is exactly what they were going for. I think they want to play with their audience of like, what does this mean? It's, you know, traditional. You see, you know, the challenges get beat in in that kind of fashion. They've got to be winning the titles. And I think they're banking on the idea that the Bucks finally losing these titles is going to be very, very significant. And that's tipping their hand even without, you know, promising anything. So I think like they want to lead you in that direction. Um I would say if this is on in the middle of the show, I, I would not be switching the titles, which, I mean, we, we can look back on Sunday of whether that was the best course of action if you're beating the Lucha Brothers again. But I would say going out and having a four and three quarter star match, I think it's going to eliminate any concerns about, I think they're just going to go out there and have this unbelievable match that the story on Sunday will be, these guys had an unreal cage match and that's, it's going to be viewed much more for the performance than necessarily the outcome if the Bucks keep these titles. And and I don't think it's a, a complete uh, guarantee either that the Bucks are, are keeping these tag titles. I mean, they could they could afford to drop them to Phoenix and Pentagon. It's like those are two guys that it's kind of they're they're in and they're out. It's you could argue like Phoenix is among, if not the most solid performers that you're going to get consistently, but doesn't always have that that spotlight and getting the tag titles it certainly creates a whole new specter of of tag matches and this division is just so loaded uh with big teams and it would seem like right at the forefront is santana and ortiz after this wednesday which could be another big match that they put in in queens in a couple of weeks yes yeah, santana and ortiz are absolutely the other people i want to see get a big match um at arthur ash and i think that they should be next in line um if i was picking to pick a winner, I'm going to be safe again and just go with the Young Bucks. And I think, I do think the Young Bucks should lose the titles soon. And I'd actually rather see it happen um, at Arthur Ashe to Santana and Ortiz because I think that would be such a big moment for them. And because Santana and Ortiz have been so just kind of out of the loop of the big picture tag division, that it would that would be a real like shot to get them back in there like immediately with the belts. Yeah, I, I think the Bucks retain on, on Sunday. Um, this will be another one. It will be very interesting, like, where they put this on the show. Like, this is this is going to yeah. be an, an exceptionally, yeah, exactly, an exceptionally difficult match to, to follow. And I don't, like, outside of, you know, uh, a very small few, um, that that's going to be tough. Because this one, you figure, has to get 20 to 25 minutes as well. Like, I, I think it's going to mm -hmm. be a pretty pretty intense uh, match that, that they have. So I guess we're in agreement on the Bucks keeping the titles. Yeah, absolutely. Next, Chris Jericho versus MJF. If MJF wins, Chris Jericho will never wrestle in AEW again. Um, he has said he's put his career on the line. This is after going through the five labors of Jericho, which ended with him tapping out to MJF a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
I have really enjoyed this feud. It's been a, a good example of uh, AEW's long-term storytelling because this has gone on a long, long time, the Jericho MJF stuff. And we even got that from the video that they showed before the, the Hooventude match of uh, Jericho and MJF in the ring together. Um, did, did this warrant another match? I'm kind of not sure because I figured that the match with MJF would take place in the pay-per-view and then they announced it for Dynamite and then he tapped out. It's like, okay, we are getting the final match ever. But really my thoughts on this match, it's been interesting that I see um, people have kind of bought into the stipulation and think that Jericho, this might be his last match because he's doing commentary on Rampage. And he did do a really good promo. And as you've said, AEW has entered the 2.0 uh, era. So he could maybe, you know, hang up the boots here. But I just feel like for me, and I don't know if it's biased because um, I'm a big Jericho fan, but I just don't think his last match should be on such a stacked card where we're sitting like wondering about where you would place this. I would feel like his last match should be a main event match. He should get like a Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels style um, send off. And that's what makes me think that this isn't his last match and I'm kind of not buying into it. But what, what do you think, John, about your fellow Canadian, though born in New York, Chris Jericho here, possibly ending his career? Yeah, I, I think that they have done a pretty great job of, of building this up because the challenge is planting that seed of doubt. And I think that this is a real tribute to Chris Jericho, who I imagine is just loving that there is that kind of discussion that's out there because I don't think that there's too many performers that could fall into that category that I think if Chris Jericho was going to wrestle his last match in AEW, I think this is the way he would want to go about it. I don't think he is a guy that wants the big pomp and circumstance and a big farewell tour or any of that. I think he would want to do something that is totally shocking and stunning. Um, they've made the caveat last match in AEW. So it also leaves the yeah. door for other stuff uh, if he so desires. But um, I mean, I am not, I, I think that this is kind of made for, for Jericho to win this, but there is a lot of like interesting ways to look at this. Like Jericho was an essential component of getting AEW off the ground. Like there is no guarantee they get that renewal uh, without a Jericho to kind of lead the way with, with the company and holding the title. And now it's like the company is moving on to another level. And you have to ask yourself like at, at the age of 50, like where, where does Jericho fit in? And does he see that as like, this is a good time to kind of get off the stage and move along. Mm -hmm. It also, um, before I pick Chris Jericho to win this, I will say that one of the great promo lines that we have at our disposal here is MJF winning this match and then telling the man who survived the labors tells Chris Jericho that isn't it funny that on Labor Day weekend, you're out of work. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, that. That sounds exactly like something MJF would say. Um, I mean, a lot of people, like, it is amazing how he's made people buy into this. It very much helps that he's um, gotten a second job as a as a Rampage announcer in order to do this stipulation. I think that adds to it. Uh, do you have any concern over the fact that he did just release a book about his 30 years and whether or not you would have just waited if you were going to hang it up or can we expect like a, a little mini book coming out 
of the actual end of his career later this year. Oh, I, I can certainly see Jericho, also the capitalist, being, uh, you know, putting out <laughs> additional chapters uh, to that book <laughs> that you can buy every year in like incremental yep. uh, years as he moves forward. But I, I think that the goal of this match is that anytime MJF gets the salt of the earth or has Jericho in a submission or a near fall, that the crowd bites on it. And I think they're there. I think the promo segments from both guys were very strong on Wednesday that I think like it's very hard to get the idea of a of a retirement stipulation over. I think it just immediately you're starting from such a deficit with your fan base that has been burned on those so many times that you just never will buy them. And it's it's going to take years, I think, of re-educating people. Um, but this is one that, I mean, that will be the test on on Sunday for them. But I think they've done a pretty good job of at least providing that that doubt it's it doesn't have to be people expecting it but just that that five ten percent chance that man maybe maybe this is it for jericho and i think they've they've put it out in a in a really in, in a convincing enough manner that'll work on sunday well i mean i couldn't believe it when he tapped out i i was like open mouthed for a good 20 seconds when he actually tapped out in their previous match but mjf i think of everyone on the card of all the heels i think mjf is the heel that people that gets the most heat and i think this match the crowd reception to it will be extremely good because people just dislike mjf that much uh for my winner I'm picking Jericho. I don't think he's going out like this. I think we've got at least a few more um, years, but two or three of of Jericho still wrestling in AEW. And I think that the the new the new names coming in here, whether it's CM Punk, whether it's Daniel Bryan, whether it's Adam Cole, I think that will push him to want to prove his worth even more, rather than like make him say my work is done. Um, that's kind of how how I feel about it. John, you also going for Jericho here? I, I think that that makes the most sense. I feel like just being the the, the contrarian that will get something shocking on, on on this card, but I will I will stay in the safe lane and we will uh, mm-hmm. assume that Jericho get gets his win over MJF. But I also won't discount the idea that maybe Jericho takes a bit of a break, like he is picking it, yeah. like Fozzie is is doing a lot more touring now, and like I could see Jericho taking a bit of a break and then comes back at a time when it's uh, when he can be inserted into something significant. Yeah, I absolutely think if he wins that we won't see him have another match like for at least a few weeks at the at the very least. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not until um, the next pay-per-view full gear around that time that he starts building to another match, especially because he did that, the five labors every single week. And I think if he does that, if he like steps back, it will be a great opportunity for the rest of the inner circle to get involved in stuff such as Santana and Ortiz getting the tag team titles and then really doing something with Sammy who um, I love the inner circle so much, but then I also feel like sometimes the other guys in it just don't get enough to do. And, and that's why I want Santana and Ortiz to take those tag team titles so much. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, booking wise, this is one of the more interesting matches, I, I would say, on the card. You could argue maybe it's the most interesting outcome of, of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of interesting matches, uh, next. So I put this second from last. I've put CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Now, the build between MJF and Jericho, it has got vicious at some points, but this build is not. It's CM Punk. He's come in. He's gone for a first opponent. He's super, super happy to be here. This is the happiest Punk has ever been in his whole life. 
he looked at Darby Allen and said he would have been my favorite wrestler when I was 15, which I agree he would have been mine too. And he chose him as his first opponent. And it's been pretty nicey-nicey. We saw on Dynamite, Darby and his dad Sting help them out when Punk was being attacked. But we did get a good promo, I thought, from Darby, um, a videotape promo on Dynamite, where he was like, I'm kind of offended that you picked me first. You should have picked me last because when you were retired, I was doing all this amazing stuff. So I feel a little bit a little bit like slanted by being your first choice. But I think with Punk, you couldn't have brought him back and like immediately started a feud with someone. You needed something that made sense without there being like traditional wrestling, heel versus babyface. I hate you stuff behind it. And Darby was a really good choice. Did you uh, enjoy the choice of Darby as Punk's first opponent, John? I, I do like the dynamic between the two. I think like this has, I mean, listen, the the this match, it's, it's seeing CM Punk have his first match back and it's yeah. in Chicago. The atmosphere alone is going to be incredible for the entrance and for the match. I think it's going to be one of those spectacles where it's just, this is going to be a rabid crowd from the second he walks out till the, uh, the match ends. And I think Darby is going to feel like that much more of a star by being involved in all of this by the end. I, I don't think for a second, a loss would hurt him. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I like the promo on Wednesday because it's, the it's like this slight opening of the door for the Chicago audience to be negative on Darby because if there's one thing that they don't want to stand, it's emo version of Darby Allen complaining about where I'm slotted on the list uh, that CM uh-huh. Punk is going to extinguish. So I, I think like it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal atmosphere for for this match, and I think. It's one that I immediately thought that this this should close the show, but I am sure we will get into the potential what if that I can see the yeah. argument that you want to go off the air with uh, a potential arrival as well. So I think this one can honestly go anywhere. Um, good luck to those following it. I think even the title yeah. match, it's, it's going to be very tough because this is going to be like an emotional dump from this audience afterwards uh, from this 25, 30 minutes that they have out there. And there's so much intrigue in this. This is like watching a match and what does CM Punk look like at 42, who has not had a wrestling match in seven and a half years. And he's stylistically going against a wrestler that's like a just a totally captivating performer in and of himself. How does Punk kind of look in, in that type of a match as well? Plus it's in Chicago. So you, I mean, you have so much going for this match. Like it's impossible for it to fail unless uh, Phil Brooks just forgets how to wrestle. <laughs> well, I mean, the kind of question is like, what is, what is Punk going to look like in the ring? He did say he hadn't really been training. Um, he did, he did make an appearance on heels this week as a, a very, very different kind of wrestler. I don't know if you've seen that. John, I have uh, not seen heels appearance. yet, but yes, uh, I, I don't know if we're going to get Ricky rabies on, uh, on Sunday. Oh, I, I, I hope not. <laughs> he was very good at it, but that, that character was, wow. It was, it was something else. I'll not spoil it for you, but it's, it's a totally different person. Um, I wonder how much crazy shit we'll get in this. I could imagine Darby doing something like I can imagine him doing a Pepsi plunge or something rather than like punk doing something like that, like some kind of um, spot like that, that the fans are going to be really, really into. I could totally see a lot of like throwback stuff from punk. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they could have worked it out, I thought that they could have really put together a a cool video package on punk. If they could have got ring of honor footage as well. 
Um, because that's that was a very big part of like the promo when when he came back as well. And that's just like you know for for a guy like Benno, I mean, just put a target on his heart and go for it with CM Punk 2004 footage against Samoa Joe. So um, yeah, I, I think that this is one where um, it's just the whole spectacle of it, and this should be. You know, it's. I, I think that Punk has to go kind of outside of that comfort zone and do kind of a a lot of Darby Allen style stuff in this match. And I think a hundred percent he has to take that Tope Suicida from Darby Allen. I mean, he's teased it in every single interview that he's got to take that thing. So, who are you going for for the winner? Do you think it's a happy ending for CM Punk's return, or do you think Darby Allen, the young guy, gets one over on him? I think it's. Let's keep it simple. Punk should win this. Like you can make your arguments. It's like, okay, it's like Kenta Kobashi coming back from a long hiatus and he's not at the level and he loses his first match back. I think that's a backwards way of thinking for this one. Let's not overthink CM Punk's first match back in Chicago. This guy should win this match. And then he goes on to a bigger match after this. So I think a hundred percent Punk should win this um, because the only thing worse than following this match with punk winning is following this match after punk loses because this audience is going to be absolutely furious if they beat punk uh in chicago so i do not see that one they they could riot like i i can only imagine um the puddles of tears that would be in this and ice cream puddles of ice cream that would just be coming from from people's mouth and their their eyes would be watering and their mouths would be salivating with the uh expensive ice cream bar that they have just purchased I know it's even worse, yeah, if it melts because he's charging for the ice cream now. If you get a free one, it's no no loss. But yeah, if you're paying for that, uh, you did mention there about how he moves on to. Do you have someone in mind for his next feud? I, I think the next one has to be with like a big heel. Like if mm-hmm. if he were coming out of this as the victor, I mean, MJF is a perfect candidate. And honestly, MJF could lose and you could still go that way. But I think that's kind of the next progression is punk with like a a solid heel that we get a lot of mic work with because I, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I'd want to put Punk, like Punk will eventually have to wrestle on TV. And the question will be, can you hold off his next match until November at the next pay-per-view? In a perfect world, I would want to. I, I don't know if they can stretch it, you know, three months until then. But in the meantime, like Punk doing, like you can do kind of Punk's back and we're, we're kind of sort of getting that, that sting vibe now where he's come out and it's just a lot of, I'm, I'm so happy to be back. And I think people are looking at what's going to be the next step after this, when, you know, you can really dial into a personal grudge and MJF is a great candidate. And that, that, that's one I, I really like that, that potential one, but I mean, God, you have, you have a lot of options right now of, of where you can go a, a Moxley turn. If you go that, that way, that's, that's mm-hmm. a great one for punk as well. I can see Moxley being the one. Um, my top pick would have been MJF. I feel like MJF could lose to Jericho, and then we could have Punk on the next show just coming out there and being like, that was lovely to be back in the ring. I'm so happy, and you all supported me. And MJF just coming out and saying, I'm just so sick of you old guys feeding off the fans, and then just go go at it with Punk, because I think his next feud does have to be something really, really meaty, and MJF's like the guy to bring it out of him, because MJF will say absolutely anything, and he won't hold back, and um, I mean, Benno always points out that CM Punk never mentions MJF when he's listing off competitors, so I feel like there might be something in that. 
Yeah, I mean, you could have him come out and he congratulates CM Punk. Congratulations on your first win at the United Center because we all remember UFC 225. <laughs> you know he'd throw UFC jobs in <laughs> so much if, uh, if MJF went against Punk, yes. <laughs> so main event, Kenny Omega versus Christian. Uh, that is what I was in as the last match. Basically based on... The fact that I think it's going to end with the debut, the debut of Daniel Bryan. Um, this match, we thought we were getting Hangman Page. We were all so on, on board with Hangman Page. Um, we were on on the back of his horse, ready to ride into victory at All Out and see this storyline come to a conclusion. But then life happens and uh, Hangman Page was out. They replaced him with Christian. It's certainly not the emotional investment at all, even though the storyline they're trying to tell goes back to when Kenny was 10 years old. But I think that's a very funny story. Not sure if it's a, a world title worthy story. They did change the impact title to Christian to give you that little bit of doubt. They did have a very good match on TV when Christian won that title. Um, I still just don't think it's like the big title match that a pay-per-view should have. But then again, you've got so many, everything else we've just spoken about. It's so stacked that I guess the world title doesn't have to be the, the best opponent, but what do you think, John? Um, my decision to put it last is not based on how good I think the match is going to be or the, or Christian it's based on, I think Daniel Bryan's coming. Well, and you're talking about an extremely savvy audience that I think is going to put that together. And I only see yes. the Danielson chatter amplifying over the next two days uh, going into Sunday. So if that's going on last, I think every person in that building is going to believe that we're getting Danielson. And I would, I would feel awful for the two performers if they have to battle. Like it's just yes chance erupting yes. throughout this match. Like that's going to be a very tough atmosphere. Um, and I would only, only put this match on last if you have that card to play because they'd be out of their minds to do that if they don't have uh, that card to play with with, with Danielson. Um, I, I thought that the, like I looked at the decision to do this match on TV. I was kind of like wavering. Like is this? You know, beating the first guy to beat Kenny since he's had mm -hmm. all of the belts like that to me was supposed to be a really big moment. So I wasn't crazy about the idea going in, but man, that match was excellent on Rampage. It was an awesome crowd in Pittsburgh, and I think it did increase people's expectations for this match. Like I think all things equal, like they should have an unbelievable match on Sunday unless it's something you know beyond their control that they have to battle, whether it's a crowd that has seen a lot, which if this is going on last, they have seen a lot of stuff on this show from the cage match. Uh, they're coming off the punk withdrawal. And then you have a guy's career in AEW at stake. Like that's a lot to follow, even for two people, the caliber of Omega and Christian. And then it's going to be people that are, if this is a 25 minute match, like they're going to be looking at, man, I want to see Brian Danielson. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of factors that could could be thrown at them, but I I do expect them to have an outstanding match. Um, and Kenny keeping the title, and if that's your closing shot of Brian Danielson walking out and staring down Kenny Omega, I mean that's that's as big a moment as you can close the show with. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't see Kenny losing. Um, 
also if Christian wins, that means Christian is now a belt collector. And I just don't see that for Christian, uh, that, that he can really pull that off. But I do think we are getting Daniel Bryan at the end. Um, I do hope the crowd kind of let this match happen and they find some way to put it at the back of everyone's head because it would be extremely annoying to have like yes chance the whole way through you know for the for the performers but i guess that's kind of what um you get if you're teasing this sort of stuff and we had quite the tease from from cm punk but yeah i agree with you john i think that kenny is winning here but the bigger question is when daniel bryan comes out what music does he come out to is it flight of the valkyries is it the final countdown Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Uh, if they got final countdown, I mean, dude, if he, if Tony Khan is just throwing, you know, rancid money and then we've got <laughs> final countdown, my goodness. Um, yeah. Fi final countdown. That would be an incredible scene. If he, if he came out to that, um, I, I, I could, yeah, though I, I would prefer final countdown. Yeah. That would be, that would be quite the, the scene because I mean, regardless, either song hits, this crowd's erupting. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be insane um, when when he comes out, and it's man, it will, you know, it's going to inflate the the, the dynamite number coming out of this. I mean, everyone. I, I wouldn't have Brian speak either. I think all you need is that visual of him coming out, seeing him in an AEW setting, and staring down Kenny. You know the direction of where to go, and then you build up to that that big match, which is. Uh, that would be the direction for me of Danielson coming in. Like I would not be warming him up with like smaller matches. And then you build to that. I, I think that, you know, Omega is a huge dream match that people will pay to see. And I guess then it, then it's really down to your, your story and whether you, you know, it's, it's not like the next pay-per-view is right around the corner either, which I would think you would want to save that for, for your next pay-per-view with, with full gear. Yeah, I, I honestly think as what I agree, like Brian is in a different situation with Punk, where I think you can insert Brian immediately uh, against Omega in the title picture. As for the song, no, I'm a 80s, 80s girl. So of course, I want the final countdown. But thinking about it, since we talked about mashups earlier, I think you could mash that with Fly of the Valkyries, because you know, the sound at the beginning of the final countdown, the like, mm, I think yeah. that would go well with the the flight of the Valkyries beginning. Uh, I just think if someone listening wants to try that, mash those two songs together. I think you will be setting some people to to do some work this weekend. I think we could get some <laughs> some mashup uh, experiments uh, this weekend if they could marry the two together. But that that would mean they would have to get the rights to both songs. So, I mean, it seems like the music yeah. budget it's it's doing well. It's doing very well in AEW at the moment. Yeah, the music budget is insane. I mean, Tony can if Tony can afford to bring in CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Christian Cage, he can afford anything, uh, I think. <laughs> but as we wrap up here, John, what match are you just like personally looking forward to the most? I mean, I, I'm really intrigued just for the spectacle that will be Punk and, and Darby. I think that's going to feel like a really special match and just uh, an electric atmosphere. Um, I would say though, just for the the actual match itself, like I'm very high on the cage match, um, the steel cage match um, as well. Like that that would be the one that I I have really really high expectations for. Um, closely followed by Omega and Cage, but I, I would say I think that Punk and Darby that's going to be, even if it's not the most perfect match, it's going to feel like such a special match that the crowd is going to treat as as such a huge um, event that. 
you always want to like send your your crowd home having witnessed. So I, I would say those are those are your big uh, moments on the show. Yeah, I agree. Like my excitement level is high to see Punk back in the ring. Like we know he's here, but what can he do? Like it's a question. I'm even interested to see like what he'll be wearing and stuff. Like what his his look is going to be now. Um, I'm also very excited for the Jericho match, though. I'll probably be a bit like on the edge of my seat because I don't want him him to retire. But it is one that certainly certainly got me invested. But it is one heck of a card that we have it's stacked and i think that once the show ends and we see the order of everything and how it played out like there could be a question of was it even too stacked because the the level of, of matches that we we've got here is just absolutely crazy um but maybe that's what you get when you only do four pay-per-views a year though i hope they keep only doing four pay-per-views yeah it's it's a huge factor on top of it like there's a lot of big stuff on this show and i mean you, you have a crowd that i think is going to be you know pretty much you know into a lot of it but you always like run that risk like you don't want to burn out a crowd or take them down at a certain part it's you know that's kind of the the calculus that goes into like match organization and, and where you know crowds are gonna you know selectively take like their own moments to kind of exhale as well so that's that's a huge part of this one as well mm -hmm. well john it's been awesome to go through the card with you here we really went in depth in all these matches and yeah i just want to thank you so much for coming on here it really has been um an honor to have you this is the first time we've ever spoken and we did it live here on youtube in front of everyone at how very 2021 of us yes <laughs> Yes, look at this. Canada and the UK coming together here for the all out preview. But uh no, it was uh, it was my pleasure to come on, Stephanie. I appreciate the invite to come on. It was it was great chatting with you. You know, it was amazing to have you, John. I mean, I I don't want to uh, totally embarrass you, so I thought I'd save it for the end, but you really are a huge inspiration to me and um just like getting out there and uh with what I do uh, I don't think I'd be doing it if it wasn't for listening to you do a podcast on post with Ariel Hawani back at the end of 2018 where um, you both talked about how you got started and I listened to that at a time when I was like very frustrated about trying to get somewhere and you both talked about like just going out there and asking people for interviews and a couple of weeks later like I asked someone for an interview and that started everything wow. so thank you just so much and i i i'm a huge fangirl it's a big fangirl moment for me so thank you so much for coming on john i really really appreciate it no those uh those words mean a lot stephanie i appreciate it i'm, I'm a fan of your work uh i'm glad to see like so much that, that you're doing out there and it's it's cool to hear that you know a uh, conversation that i had with ariel that it um had some kind of impact on you so thank you i appreciate that a lot you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, why don't you tell everyone watching here where they can find more of your great work out there? Uh, you can check out all of our stuff at postwrestling.com. Myself and Waiting, we are live several nights of the week, and we will be live right after All Out with our post show. Uh, if you choose to support us, which you can or you don't have to, postwrestlingcafe.com is where we do, uh, that's our Patreon that kind of supports the whole site. It's an independent site that Way and I started a number of years ago and it has grown. It's certainly not a two-man operation, a lot of different people involved on the site. And that's where you can check out all of our news, updates, and podcasts. That can be your, your one-stop shop.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely recommend everyone checking out uh, John and Way. They do really, really great, great reviews, um, especially with Wind Ways, everything. Um, and yeah, you, you have a great archive to explore as well. Uh, with me, guys, subscribe if you're watching. And tomorrow, why don't you head over to True Heel Heat's channel where I'll be joining my wrestling daily sibling to talk about All Out. And I will have with me Benno from Grapple. We will be tag teaming uh, on the True Heel Heat channel. So everyone tune into that. If you're in London, don't forget, you can actually watch All Out with me on Sunday in a bar. I wish you could be there, John, to have a, have a few drinks and enjoy watching All Out in, in a hopefully a rowdy atmosphere uh, on a Sunday night in London. I, I would love to be at a bar at four in the morning uh, and <laughs> potentially Brian Danielson coming out to his mashed up version of uh, the, the final Valkyries. Uh, that would be something else. I think that would be the moment to uh, want to experience more than being at in Chicago at the now arena. That would be the place to truly experience uh, Brian Danielson making his AEW debut. Yeah, and after this chat, I may just spend my next couple of days trying to make this mashup happen so I can <laughs> play it during my watch party and then put a video out with all these people going mad for it and then everyone will think I'm some like DJ extraordinaire and have a whole new career. Uh, I think that's a pretty good idea, actually. I think you should do it. There's a... Uh... <laughs> Man, I there was a there was an artist I used to always listen to. He did the, like the best mashups. It was called Girl Talk, which I'm sure some people are familiar with. I don't know if he's put out any mm -hmm. recent work, but the king of mashups. So maybe he can he can get on this and make this a reality. Yeah, I, I hope so. If anyone could get a hold of him, uh, someone better make this mashup. But thank you again, John. Um, I know you have a busy evening ahead of you with SmackDown and, and Rampage. So, yes, thank you. Good luck with all of that. Thank you, all you guys, for watching and sending your comments. I really appreciate it. And I will catch you next time. Bye.